Between 1963 and 1965, Myra Hindley and her lover Ian Brady lured several children into their car under the pretense of giving them a ride home. Instead, the pair took them to Saddleworth Moor, an isolated area some 15 miles outside of Manchester. After they arrived, Hindley would say that she had a misplaced glove, um, asking her victim to help her search for it. Each one complied, following Brady into the reeds to look for the missing garment. Once a safe distance away from the road, Brady would rape each child and then slit his or her throat. The couple would then bury the bodies on the moor. To this day, not all the bodies of the slain have been found. This is the case of Ian Brady and Myra Hindley and the Moor's murders. Well, hello, my fellow weirdos. How is everyone? I hope everyone listening is absolutely fabulous. So today is a very special episode, as it's not just me that you'll be listening to. Joining me for this episode are the wonderful hosts of the amazing podcast, Bed Crime Stories, Jovi and Charlie. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, hello. Hi. We're so excited to be here. <laughs> and I need so, to show you this. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, no. Dang, you can't see it. I wrote down, I wrote down, Moore's Murders. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was right. Oh, you were right. I was right. I wrote down Moore's Murders. You can't see it. But I wrote oh. it down. Yes. So I... I, I was so sure that you were going to go Fred and Rose West. Nope. Oh, I was certain. <laughs> I was so certain. Uh, as soon as you said their name, I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was so proud of myself. How much do you know about the Moors murders? Do you know uh, a lot? Do you know a little? I don't know a lot. I know like the basic facts, like truthfully, what you just did in your intro is kind of the, I know like the intro amount of knowledge about the Moore's murders. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know like about them themselves, like the couple. I don't know a lot about the details behind each of the attacks and the crimes, et cetera. Okay. So I'm very excited, very excited to hear the details. Same. I'm, I'm stoked. I am stoked. Yes. Yes. The the details are juicy. Grim. <laughs> uh, yeah, not not in a good way. Bad, bad, juicy, not good, juicy. Yes. I'm going to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. So before we dive into the case, um, tell the people who are listening that might not have listened to your podcast. Tell us about yourself, um, what your podcast's about, where people can find you. Tell us all about you guys. Sure. Um, all right. So this is Charlie. And this is Jovi. Yes. Um, so, yes, we are the hosts of Bed Crime Stories. Uh, Jovi operates as our, like, engineer producer editor um and then we'll come in and, and take some episodes every once in a while so i guess you would i guess technically consider me the primary host mm-hmm, sure mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. but it is definitely a team effort 
over at Good Old by Crime Stories. And really, we focus in on, you know, the stories that we know of that are our spooky stories, right? The the horror stories that you grew up hearing, the real monsters under the bed type of a, a, a conversation that we're having. Mm-hmm. Um, Jovi and I have been best friends for over 20 years. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's just us kind of sitting and telling each other stories and sharing the details that we find interesting and scary. And, um, you know, sometimes we get into, we kind of do deep dives on debates and our own feelings of, of the, the stories themselves of policy surrounding the stories. And, you know, we are not experts. We not are just <laughs> fans of fans of the genre fans of, you know, the, the stories that we're telling as far as, um, you know, as as anybody can be a true crime fan, I guess. And, uh, you know, we always tell everybody from the very beginning, we've told everybody that it's all about the stories and the people who are involved and the victims and yeah. uh, just advocating for the fact that they are indeed real people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, trying to be as respectful of that as we possibly can, while still at the same time, um, you know, doing our level best for ourselves for our coping mechanism of making each other laugh. Yes. Because it's, you know, how we deal with the shit that we're talking about week yes. in and week out. <laughs> so yeah, you know, we we do have times where we laugh and kind of kid with each other. And I'm a big fan of a dad joke and a pun. So you'll hear that mm-hmm. a lot in our, a lot. our episodes. Love it a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good dad joke, a good pun every once in a while. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and you, you can find find us um through social media you can find us on instagram primarily that's where we're most active and that's just at bed crime stories um we do have a twitter that Mm. barely gets updated i don't even remember the last time (laughs) i even opened our twitter but it's there Uh, we also have a tiktok that has yet to put have any videos on it but it does exist so if you want to follow us on tiktok in anticipation for our (laughs) first video it's also at bed crime stories um We do have a Gmail account that we have open for our listeners to send in story suggestions or just say hi. That's bedcrimestoriespod at Gmail. And then um, you can find us to listen, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, I think Radio Republic is another one. We're not on Stitcher, which is unfortunate because I actually really love Stitcher. Um, but we are a Anchor produced podcast. So mm. we do all of our stuff through Anchor and Anchor pushes us out to those platforms. Unfortunately, Stitcher is not one of them. So that's kind of where, and you can also find us on Anchor as well. So wonderful, that's a wonderful, little wonderful. bit about background stories. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you guys are smashing it with your podcast. Like, so if you haven't listened to Bed Crime Stories, what what are you doing? Like, sort yourself out. Go 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 and have a chat. <laughs> go and have a word with yourself and <laughs> get on it. Yes. Give yourself a stern talking to. That's it. Yes. Go yes. go look yes. in the mirror. And, <laughs> and look at yourself and, and mm-hmm. contemplate your life choices because they're not yeah. very good. <laughs> I'm joking. No. Oh, God, there goes, there goes half my audience. Don't leave. <laughs> Please stay. I like this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and for those bed crime stories listeners that are here from our suggestion to come to Horror House, hi. Told you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. He's great. Told you. <laughs> so... Today, we have a case from right here in the motherland, um, as um, as said a little bit earlier, um, and it's 
I haven't done a UK-based episode since my first episode. Um, so it's been it's been a while. It's been a good... What episode am I on now? Um, like 17 episodes? 17, I was going to say, I think 17. You're in the late teens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the late, I wish I was in my late teens. I am old. Preach. <laughs> I am yeah. 30 and I am not flirty or, or, or thriving. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm in pain. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I went to a uh, I went to a wedding last night. I'm I'm close to forty. <laughs> I went to a wedding last night, and I was talking to a friend of mine. He's a year older than me, and he's like, "My back just hurts for no reason." I'm like, "Right? <laughs> Why does my back hurt? Like, yeah. what's going on with that?" Adulthood but, is great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It was like in so in in your episode that we just recorded, um, mm-hmm. you said the the I can't remember. I've already forgotten the name of the person. That's really bad. What was his name again? Henry McCabe. Henry McCabe. You said that he was mm-hmm. thirty two, right? Thirty two. And mm-hmm. um, he went clubbing. Yeah, I, you said. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which, like, I I know getting out of bed is is a struggle most of the days mm-hmm. and i'm mm-hmm. i'm 30 like and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like i know if i went clubbing now i would need like two weeks to recover right it, it would be uh, yeah bad. traction i'd be in traction the next yes. day <laughs> again at this at this wedding last night we're you know we finished dinner it was lovely the reception was lovely first of all it was outdoors we live in florida it was hot it was like almost 87 degrees last night with like 60 something percent humidity oh, so it was miserable good grief reception was beautiful and lovely but it was just hot 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 by 8 30 i looked at my partner and i was like we're we're good, right? Like we can go. It's like eight thirty. I'm exhausted. I'm like, I can't wait to go home and take a shower and go to bed. I was in bed by ten o'clock last night. I'm like, I can't do this shit anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I just can't. Too old. Oh dear. Yeah. Growing yeah. old is I, not fun. It's not. It's not. I went out um, to dinner on Friday with my fiance um, and some friends of ours, and I think I had two martinis. And I was completely sloshed. Did I keep drinking? Yes. Should I have? No. Um, <laughs> waking up the next day after I think I had four or five is a lot different than waking up in your 20s after having four or five drinks. It's horrible. It is horrible. It's Miserable. Something else. Isn't it? Something else. Uh, something else. Um, mm-hmm. So. This is the case of the Moore's murders. Um, and if you're from the UK and you're of a certain age, you will definitely know these this case very, very well. I had heard of it, but I, I didn't really know that much about it until I started to research it and look into it. Um, and it is, it is it's something. Uh, it's something. <laughs> uh, so before we get in into it, um, big the big disclaimer. I don't normally have to do a lot of these disclaimers, um, but this one is is disclaimer fucking city. Like disclaimers, <laughs> disclaimer city. This, this whole thing is a disclaimer. Yeah. Um, as this episode, we'll talk about the rape and the murder of children as young as ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so. 
Sorry, Joby and Charlie. <laughs> um, and sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's really, we will try and make it as painless as possible um, mm-hmm. and insert some humor a little bit to lighten mm-hmm. the mood. But mm-hmm. just just a, just a, a heads up for, for you guys. So are you guys ready? We're Let's ready. Let's do man. it. We're ready. We're ready. Cool. So Ian Brady was born Ian Duncan Stewart on January the 2nd, 1938 in Glasgow, Scotland to Peggy, uh, to, to Margaret Peggy Stewart, who was an unmarried tea shop maid. Brady's father's identity has never been proven, though his mother claims that he was a reporter for a Glasgow newspaper who died three months before Ian Brady was born. Uh, cool. Stewart um, had no assistance and was obligated to give up her son to Mary and John Sloan, uh, a local couple with four children, only after only a few months. Uh, Brady adopted their surname and changed his name to Ian Sloan. Throughout his childhood, his mother still frequently paid him visits. So, oh, okay. I mean, that's a pretty rocky start, not going to lie. Not, mm-hmm. not great. <laughs> not, not, not the best great. no definitely not, not the best, the best. <laughs> um oh it gets better uh several, <laughs> <laughs> several several authors have claimed that he abused animals um although brady mm. has refuted this claim um which i mean that's like the hallmark of growing up to be an absolute stain on humanity isn't it Abusing sure. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. yeah that's usually like that's usually like step one yeah yeah you see it quite often don't you like yeah if you step hear, one torture animals step yeah. seven kill a human mm-hmm. if you hear mm-hmm. at any point that someone has torn the head off a cat just avoid them completely stay away yeah. stay, away stay as far away as far away. away as you possibly can mm-hmm. <laughs> he went to lock uh Lomond with his family I've probably absolutely butchered that um but and if, if you've listened to my podcast already you're gonna know that I'm I can barely speak English so <laughs> it's fine yeah. <laughs> um he went away to uh, Lock Lomond when his fa- with his family when he was nine years old where he apparently acquired an interest for the outdoors and the family relocated to a new council house on an overspill development in Pollock a few months later Brady was accepted into Shawlands Academy, which was a school for students who excelled academically. So he was a smart, smart guy. Um, yeah. But he also tortured animals. So, mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that's kind of like an ultimate combination, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we think about people who are able to get away with things for a certain amount of times. There's usually a certain level of intelligence there. And then so like and then you add on top of that, like the sociopath factor <laughs> it's like it 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 makes them even more uh diabolical in a yeah. way yeah mm-hmm. no definitely definitely agree mm-hmm. um uh brady's behavior deteriorated deteriorated in shawlands and he was twice arrested for housebreaking as a teenager at the age of 15 he dropped out of the academy and went to work as a t-boy at harland and wolf shipyard in govan um brady Can would I ask- can yeah, I ask yeah, a yeah. British question? Yeah. 
What's a tea boy? What's a, I, she I, said, I, yeah. I knew that you were gonna, as soon as you as soon as like, can I ask you a British question? I was like, it's going to be a tea boy question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not actually sure, to be honest. I'm going to go tea boy. I w- would it be like, is he going to be like a, a like a shop assistant, but at a like tea shop type of a thing? That's what I'm thinking. Um, so, like, I'm thinking. Oh, go ahead, Jovi. Go ahead. I I did my Jovi duties. A <laughs> tea boy is usually a young boy working for a company to learn the trade. Um, mm. They were called tea boys because their most important tasks was to make a good morning cup of tea for the rest of the workers. Interesting. How yeah. did I not? No, right. I'm so I'm gonna I'm gonna strip <laughs> myself of my British <laughs> um, because I really shouldn't. We're, we're taking your we're taking your Brit card away from you, Dom. We're cutting that up. See, because oh. all I could picture when you said T boy was um I don't know if you guys I know Jovi has I don't know Dom if you have uh Sweeney Todd the yeah, little yeah, boy yeah. in the in the shop at Sweeney Todd yeah Toby that's mm-hmm. all I was thinking of was him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I've I've learned something new. See? See? We're educational as well as horrifying. <laughs> For real. <laughs> yes. Scary, f- scary, funny, and you'll learn something. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, dear. So uh, Brady would start working as a butcher's messenger boy nine months later. Uh, Brady had um, Evelyn Grant as a girlfriend during this time. But they broke up after he threatened her with a flick knife after she went to a dance with another boy, which is a completely reasonable reaction, I would say. Yes. Totally understandable. Yes. It's totally yeah. Kind of like the, it's like the reddest of red flags. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he um, appeared in court again, uh, this time facing nine charges and was sentenced to probation soon before his 17th birthday on the condition that he go and live with his mother, with his, I'm assuming his biological mother. Um, Okay. Brady's mother had moved to Manchester by this time and married uh, Patrick Brady, an Irish fruit dealer. Uh, Brady obtained um, a position as a fruit porter at Smithfield Market and Ian adopted Patrick's surname, hence the name Ian Brady. Ian Brady. Mm-hmm. See, educational guys. <laughs> We're learning. We are learning. <laughs> Brady was caught with a sack full of stolen um, lead seals he was attempting to take out of the market less than a year after relocating to Manchester. For three months, yeah. he was um, incarcerated in Strange Ways, which is a high security prison in Manchester. Brady was sentenced to two years in a borstal um, for training, which I think is like some sort of military thing. Mm. I'm, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's what it is, um, sure. because he was still under the age of eighteen. So maybe like a mm. young offenders sort of young mm-hmm. offenders unit. Yeah, he was sent to London's uh, Latchmere House and later to Hatfield uh, Borstal in Yorkshire's West Riding. He was then transferred to a harder unit in Hull after being spotted inebriated on booze that he had produced himself. <laughs> like good old like toilet <laughs> good gin, old huh? moonshine. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gotta love toilet wine. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of toilet wine. Um, mm. 
Brady was released from prison on the 14th of November 1957 and returned to Manchester where he got a menial labour job that he absolutely despised and was fired uh, from another job in a brewery as well. So Hmm. he's... He's giving a very good account of himself already. Can you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He -hmm. seems like an absolute gem. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, stand-up guy. Stand-up guy. Just a stand-up guy. But but he decided to improve himself um, (laughs) by borrowing a set of bookkeeping instruction manuals from the local public library. um, And his... Uh, so he astonished his parents as well by studying alone in his room. So you know he's be- he's bettering himself. We you know we need yeah. to cut him some slack. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, Everybody deserves a second chance, yeah. I guess. Right? <laughs> does that, I mean, uh, th- after you hear this, but he's not gonna he's not gonna deserve a second mm. chance. Um, he redeemed himself about like this much, and then pulls it right back, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. God damn it, Ian. Why can't you be a normal boy? <laughs> have you just we're um, starting to believe in you. <laughs> have you seen uh, The Babadook, which is a horror film? Yeah, well, no, I know of The Babadook, Same. but I don't, yeah, um, I haven't seen it. So <laughs> there's, this, there's this scene um, where the, the little kid um, who's quite central to the movie and his mum in the car and i i think um the child has got something like he might have like autism or asperger's or he's on the spectrum or something um Mm -hmm. and i think like his mum was just stressed and i think Mm -hmm. got to the point where i was like this is gonna sound really horrible it was horrible where she was like i'm tired of your shit just give me some (laughs) peace and quiet um and she was like why can't you just be normal and then the kid just screams this is like Brady is this kid. Why can't you just be normal, right. Ian Brady? And then he's just screaming because he's screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. not normal. Mm-hmm. He's he is not normal. He's just not not normal. even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was doomed. But it seems like he was pretty much doomed from the jump, huh? Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, you you'll see when I when I do some background on on Myra Hindley that she didn't have the best upbringing. Um, not much better, the, huh? The upbringing that is like so common with serial killers, which is just abuse, really rough. Yeah, a really rough um, childhood was quite the case. Tra- with... Trauma squared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a serving size of two for the trauma, please. Um, yes. So Brady uh, sought for and was offered a clerical position at Millwoods, which was a wholesale chemical distribution company situated in Gorton in January 1959. His co-workers would describe him as quiet, punctual, but an irritable young man. Um, Mm. Brady read literature. So, (laughs) I mean, in the first half of that, that's good. He reads literature. (laughs) He he reads However, the literature was. I was about gonna say, Nazi <laughs> what is the literature, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the literature was about Nazi atrocities and teach yourself German and Mein Kampf. 
Mm. Oh, well. mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah. I like yeah. when you like give him like the ups and then he immediately just nosedives. <laughs> like he was reading really great books, but these were the yes. books. <laughs> That's it. Brady was yeah. a cultured man who read books. Yeah. Such as <laughs> Such as Mein Kampf. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least you can, yeah. I mean you can't if you say he's not cultured after reading about Nazi <laughs> atrocities, then I'm not gonna believe you, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's ian's background a little bit on ian's background he's he's a pretty mm. grounded normal guy no warning he's signs whatsoever no Real treat. <laughs> yeah anybody he's... would want him as a son <laughs> got it got it oh dear so myra hindley myra 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 hindley was born in crumpsall um on july the 23rd 1942 to Nellie and Bob Hindley and was raised raised in Gorton, Manchester's working-class neighbourhood at the time. When she was a child, her father was an alcoholic who beat her on a regular basis. There it is. There There it is. is. There it is. is. (laughs) Hindley was obliged to sleep in a single bed adjacent to her parents' double bed because the family's home was in a terrible condition. Um, so yikes. yikes for that as well we're already on two yeah. yikes and that was the uh, <laughs> first bullet point <laughs> we're on to we're on to a winner here guys when <laughs> hindley's sister maureen was born in august 1946 obviously their living circumstances worsened even further and hindley yeah. aged five was taken to live with her grandmother nearby a year later Ooh. so not a good start for, for Myra Mm-mm. either. Mm-mm. You can probably tell that this is not going to go, not going to end well. Um, mm-hmm. Hindley's father served in the parachute regiment during World War II and was stationed in North Africa, Cyprus, and Italy. He had a reputation for being a strong guy in the army, and he wanted his daughter to be the same. So he would coach her to fight and insisted on her standing up for herself. Hindley was eight years old when a neighbor boy, um, a neighbor boy, a neighbor boy, what is even that? When a neighborhood boy, neighbor boy. <laughs> neighbor boy. I like <laughs> that. I like that. Let's, <laughs> neighbor boy. Let's, let's, let's use that. I dig it. Neighbor boy. <laughs> I like it. A neighbor boy. A neighbor boy. <laughs> we'll, we'll use neighbor boy. Hindley was eight years old mm-hmm. when a neighbor boy um, <laughs> scratched her face and drew blood. Uh, she sobbed and fled to her father. <laughs> don't go and don't do don't go and sob to your army. You should be tough and fight and stand up for yourself, father. Who threatened yeah. to quote leather her unless she retaliated, which is top level parenting. Yeah. So oh, either wow. beat so either beat him or I beat you <laughs> yeah. is really kind of what that conversation was like. Got it. Pretty oh. much. He was like. He was like someone's going to get beaten. <laughs> it might be you. <laughs> <Go and pick. laughs> Choose wisely, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good God. Good God. Oh dear. We laugh, otherwise we will cry. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's it. Um Hindley tracked down the boy and knocked him out with a series of punches and would later write, at eight years old, I scored my first victory. Like she was some boxing champion or something. I Good mean, 
hey, you know what? You good know? on her for defending herself and beating the crap out of him. And I like, mean, so here's my here's what I'm gonna say about that. While I'm like, you know what? Good on her for defending herself. The reaction to it is where the where I give pause, right? <laughs> so it's like she defended herself. You know what? Good on you, strong, independent woman. Don't need no man. I appreciate it. But then the many years later, going, I scored my first victory. Okey <laughs> <laughs> All right, there it is. All right, Myra, calm down, love. Ah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oof. Malcolm uh, McCulloch, a professor of forensic psychiatry at Cardiff University, has written that Hindley's, um, quote, relationship with her father brutalized her. She was not only mm. used to violence in the home, but was rewarded for it outside. When this happens mm. at a young age, it can distort a person's reaction to such situations for life. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. very true. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. In June 1957, Hindley was invited to go swimming with friends in a nearby unused reservoir. Um, by one of her, so one of her closest friends invited her to, uh, to go swimming in a nearby mm. unused reservoir. Thirteen-year-old um, Michael Higgins, um, but she she instead went out with another friend. Higgins uh, perished in the reservoir, and Hindley, who was a strong swimmer, was. Uh, devastated and held herself personally responsible. Oh wow, that's that's fucking sad. That's yeah, that's horrible. Oh wow. So real quick, and I'm sure we'll probably touch on this later as well. This is always a conversation that I have with a lot of people of when when shit like this happens in these horrible people's childhoods, right? Of saying both things can be true, right? You can mm-hmm. feel sorry for the child who endured all this trauma and still know that they're trash, right? Dom, yeah. you were kind of saying that on the episode we recorded yeah. earlier kind yeah. of about the Ted Bundy thing, right? But it's like you both things can be true i can feel sorry for what she endured as a child and still know that she's going to grow up and be awful Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that that is the saddest thing so she knew she was a strong swimmer she probably had the biggest guilt of if i would have went i could have saved him yeah oh no and that's awful that's awful trauma for a child to have to deal with and it you know and it adds to her already you know, existing trauma with, you know, with an abusive father as well. Um, right. Like we said, trauma squared. It's just trauma yeah. on top of trauma. Yeah. Trauma squared. Mm-hmm. And I, I completely agree with you that, you know, you can be, you can feel sympathy for them, but you can also be aware that they're, without being too unkind, pieces of trash. Um, yeah. It, it got me, you saying that actually got me thinking, um, because I've I've covered a lot of cases where there's been there's been some childhood trauma. It's been mm-hmm. uh, an abusive father, or it's been mm-hmm. an abusive mother. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, an abusive father, but a doting mother. An abusive mother, but a doting father. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be. It, it can even be you know grandparents, grandparents. It can mm-hmm. be brothers, and grandparents. You know, yeah. I've come across cases mm-hmm. where someone's got raped by their brother as a kid or someone's Mm -hmm. got you know sexually assaulted by their sister as a kid or whatnot Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know while i can sympathize with that obviously it doesn't mean you know in without sounding like a massive bellend um you 
people have had traumas in their life, but they haven't grown up to be a serial killer. They Correct. Can't see Correct. It so, doesn't. Right. What they went through as children doesn't excuse their behavior as, as adults. adults. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. But it doesn't also make them any less of a traumatic event that you can feel sorry about mm-hmm. happening to them. Right. Absolutely. It's like all all of those things can be true at the exact same time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, she organized um, a wreath collection um, and Hindley's Hindley's funeral. That's not right. <laughs> And Higgins' funeral um, was held at St. Francis Monastery on Gorton Lane. Um, And Hindley also uh, was baptized as Catholic in 1942, which left um, quite an indelible impression on her. Um, Mm -hmm. Hindley's father insisted on her being baptized Catholic, and her mother agreed on the condition that she was not to be put on a put to a catholic school because mm. um all the monks taught was oh god was cat ca- catechism catholic Catechis- catechism Cate- that's it thank you catholicism catechism, catechism. <laughs> i'm so bad at pronunciations my goodness <laughs> it's me. okay i can't it's read okay. i'm by... like it's all right i'm like born born and bred catholic so catechism is uh, okay. that's second language to me <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, after starting at uh, Ryderbrow Secondary, um, Hindley became increasingly drawn to the Roman Catholic Church. And shortly after Higgins' death, she began taking instruction for formal welcome into the church. In November 1958, she was confirmed as uh, Veronica and received her first communion. Cool. Mm. Uh, Here we are. So Hindley's first work was as a junior clerk for an electrical engineering firm in the area. Um, She did errands, typed, made tea, and she was so well liked that when she misplaced her first week's pay, the other girls organized a collection to replace it. Oh, wow. Which So she was a tea girl. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, After a brief courtship, she would become engaged at the age of 17. Wow. wow. Uh, but That's called young. it off after, <laughs> yes, very, very young. Um, but called it off after a few months after determining that the young man was immature and unable to give her the life that she desired. She knows what she That's wants. Right, girl. You tell him. <laughs> like, she, she knows what she wants at 17. Uh, Hell yeah. So fair play. Still cheering for her, by the way. I know it's going to go south real soon, but at <laughs> this very moment of her life, I'm like, hell yeah, girl. <laughs> you tell him. <laughs> Hindley uh, attended weekly judo classes at a local school, but her parents were hesitant to train with her because she was slow to let go of her grasp, which is quite quite funny because mm, like, shit, her father okay. was like... Her father was like, yeah, if you don't beat the crap out of this guy, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. But she was, mm-hmm. he was also like, And now yeah, he's like, yeah, but you're you. too aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Mr. Mr. Hindley. All right. Um, yeah, really? <laughs> exactly. She accepted a position at Bratby and Hinchcliffe, which was an engineering firm 
in Gorton, but was fired after six months due to absenteeism. Absentee, absenteeism. Mm. You gotta, you gotta tie up for your job, Myra. That's Good it, man. Reason, She's probably man. too busy kicking ass and taking names. She was like, "I'm busy. I'm beating people up on the street, sir." <laughs> I don't get there when job. I get there. My job is being an ass kicker. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Hindley, at 18 years old, uh, began working as a typewriter at Millwoods in January 1961, and this was where she would. Um, this is where her story with Ian Brady would start. Uh, despite knowing oh, here that, uh, here we go indeed. Here we go. Oh, here we go indeed. Um, it, it goes very, like, very downhill. I mean, it goes the, the like more than downhill. <laughs> it falls through the floor from the from the <laughs> yeah, real quick. Yes, <laughs> yes, downhill real fast. Um, so Hindley, at 18 years old, began work as a, working as a typewriter at Millwoods in January 1961. Despite knowing that Brady had a criminal background, she quickly fell in love with him because... Of course. A, a of bad course. boy, isn't he? So she's mm, like, you know what? bad boy, man. She can, she yeah, can yeah. fix him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Dear, dear. Um, Hindley started a diary... And while she had dates with other men, some of the writings explain her attraction to Brady, whom she spoke to for the first time on July the 27th. Mm-hmm. Uh, scroll down. There we go. She continued to post notes throughout the next few months, but she got increasingly delusioned with him until Brady asked her out on a date to the movies on December the 22nd. Oh. And, you know, movie date. Do we know, uh, what, you, do we know what they went to go see? Oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm just about to tell you and Yay! It, Yay! It, I was being facetious. <laughs> remember so, so remember how Brady loved Nazi the literature. Nazis. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> the theme carries on. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, he's like, you know, This is really important. I'm just sharing you my passion. A, a movie date is is really cute. I well Maybe not for a first date. I don't. I'm not sure if maybe for a first date because you, I agree you, like, with you just Dom. sit there like not talking to each other for an hour and a half. A preach. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, as a uh, as a, you know, maybe a second or third, something like that. Yeah. That's pretty good. Or when when it's time to start canoodling, but you don't know how to do it, you do it at a yeah. movie when mm-hmm. it's when it's dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You, you know, you take the back row, wait until the lights go down, and then you go to town. Just slowly. <laughs> 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 Yawn with the arm across the shoulder. I know. I'm gonna put the that slow on. I'm gonna holding of hands. I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gonna release I'm the merch and on it. I'm, uh, I'm gonna put you take the back. The road, amount of you wait for lights to go down. The amount of times that I uh, made out with people while watching Titanic, I can't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it four times in the movie theater, but I never saw it with the same person. I'm just throwing that out there. And they say romance uh. is dead. <laughs> hey, and think about it. Look, that's a really long movie, right? So you have plenty of time to practice your moves. By the time that boat sinks, man, you got it. Oh, dear. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, so, so, um So, yeah, uh, Hindley asked Brady out. Uh, sorry, Brady asked Hindley out on a date 
to the movies on December the 22nd. While several accounts claim the film was a judgment at Nuremberg, interesting choice. I wouldn't go for that personally, but no, no, no. different Mm-mm. different tastes for different people, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Hindley would remember it as King of Kings. Their dates had a set routine: a trip to the movies, usually to see an X-rated picture, followed by a return to Hindley's residence to drink some German wine, and then you know, <laughs> get some some of that good loving in, probably. Yeah, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because what sets the mood like Judgment more... at Nuremberg? <laughs> I was going to say more than the Nuremberg trials, right? I mean, that is foreplay if I ever did see. <laughs> Man. Oh, good grief. Um, oof. Oof, indeed. That's a, that's a yeah. mega mega of uh brady and offered her reading material here you go here's mein camp have fun and the two spent their lunch breaks reading aloud from descriptions of nazi crimes to one another wow was <laughs> wow foreplay weird foreplay wow i mean i mean that's some kinky shit i suppose i mean I suppose <laughs> there is probably a nazi kink isn't there there's a kink for everything yeah um, sure is i am sure there is like, and i and i don't want to kink shame people like no. i don't want to kink shame anyone but if your kink is reading reading nazi atrocities to each other then i'm judging you i'm judging it <laughs> <laughs> i'm judging that like I, other things i don't need to judge if you like to eat ass correct there but if you like to read Mein Kampf, then that's that's a bit. And then, and then, mm. as the birds say, have a wank. Then I have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did I use yeah. that in the right context, Tom? Did. did I do that right? You did. Yes, I'm very impressed. <laughs> it's watching a it's watching a lot of Ted Lasso. I was just going to say, me for this conversation. You, you could thank Ted Lasso for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She, uh, uh, Hindley began to dress in a way that reflected an Aryan ideal, dyeing her hair blonde and wearing heavy crimson lipstick, which is good stuff. Girl. Girl. That is, that is Girl. that's creep level desperation. That Little bit. Creep level. Little bit. I, I wonder if she had blue eyes. If not, do you reckon she just put some blue contacts in? You know, she's probably the she's got the blue probably. eyes. The mm-hmm. Dear, oh dear. Um, she expressed Sheesh. concern about some of part, some parts. Oh, excuse me, of Brady's personality in a letter to a childhood friend, which is Rich, mentioning an instance <laughs> in which she was drugged uh, by Brady while also writing about her obsession with him. This woman. She requested her friend to discard the letter a few months later. Hindley would write a 30,000-word plea for parole in 1978 and 1979, which she sent to the Home Secretary at the time, which said, um, and I quote, within months, he had convinced me that there was no God at all. He could have told me that the earth was flat, the moon was made of green cheese, and the sun rose in the west, and I would have believed him. Such was his power of persuasion. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, hey, there's plenty of people right now who think the earth is flat. So obviously they're a third of the way there. Yeah. 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 
green cheese. That's a very specific. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard blue cheese. Mm-hmm. cheese mm-hmm. I've never heard green cheese. No, neither have I, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to like picture what green cheese looks like. Nope. Like it looks absolutely fucking disgusting. <laughs> when I mean, and when I think of green cheese, I think, oh, I got to throw this away. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, that cheese is green. <laughs> Moldy cheese. Moldy cheese. Moldy no, cheese. Thank you. Um, cool. Where are we? There we go. Uh, Hindley began to change her appearance even further, wearing uh, risque apparel like high boots, short skirts, and leather jackets. And the two. Right. were less social with their co-workers. The duo was frequent visitors to the library where they borrowed volumes on philosoph- uh, philosophy as well as crime and torture. Um, huh. You know, just your normal light reading. <laughs> Call that a normal bathroom reading, reading, right? Bathroom it's a bathroom book, book, right? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Marquise de Sade, uh, the uh, Friedrich... Uh, Nish and the Fyodor Dostoevskis. I don't think I butchered them as bad as I normally would. I think I. Still I know it's did. I know it's Nietzsche. <laughs> Nietzsche. And it's, okay. is it Nietzsche. Doi- Nietzsche. Uh, I can't do that one. No idea. Doyevsky. Doyevsky. F Y O D O R. Something. Something. <laughs> I don't know. I got Nietzsche. I got Nietzsche and then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> these everyone listens to it. It's like, I need I need to find these books and you're not giving me the names. Like, <laughs> I know. <"Count." laughs> they're sitting there with their pencils, they're like, What is that? <laughs> Spell mind comp for me, please. <laughs> please don't get mind comp people that are listening to is this. Is that E before I or I before E? <laughs> <laughs> if any of you get mind comp unsubscribe from my podcast please unsubscribe mm-hmm. unsubscribe. do not want and me. you didn't get that suggestion from us <laughs> believe <laughs> me nope 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 none of that zero stars would not recommend i'm gonna try this pronunciation again so the marquis de Sade, okay which i think is kind of right the mm. the friedrich um neats niche how is it how did you say it nietzsche nietzsche and Fyodor Dostoevsky's crimes and uh, crime and punishment were also read. I've never heard of any of those books, so I can't tell you from personal experience what they're like. That's not an invitation to go and read them. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but I, 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 I haven't read them myself. <laughs> um, cool. So even though Hindley was not a licensed driver, she passed her exam three months after three attempts on November the seventh, nineteen sixty-three. She frequently hired a van in which the couple planned bank robberies in. And they went from bank robberies to, like, murder. That's a hell of a leap. Yeah, I was going to say, that is a weird, weird fork in the road that they came to to make that decision, huh? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Good Lord. Good Lord, indeed. Uh, Hindley became friends with George uh, Clitheroe, the president of the Cheadle Rifle Club, and attended two nearby shooting ranges on multiple occasions oh no oh no oh no indeed (laughs) um despite being perplexed by her curiosity uh cliff arranged for her to purchase a a 22 rifle from a gun dealer in manchester if you're perplexed at someone's curiosity to 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 really want to shoot guns 
don't arrange for her to purchase a gun. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's take it bad. From the, That's take bad. it from the Americans. Take it from the Americans when we say we know where this is going. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she she also requested <laughs> to join a gun club. But because she was a bad shot and reportedly had a bad temper, uh, that was turned down. All these red flags. Like, I need something <laughs> red just so I could sit here like this and just For wave real. it. I have just nothing red it. either. So why give her a gun? <laughs> She's got a bad shot and <laughs> a bad temper. Real. Legit. Bad oh. shot. She wants to beat people up. I, I just, I got nothing. <sighs> Poor choices. Poor choices were made. Mm-mm. Um... So even though she was turned down, she still managed to obtain a Webley 4.5 and a Smith & Weston 38 from other club members. Brady and Hindley's heist plans would fall through, but they developed an interest in photography. Remember, <laughs> their, remember their interest in photography, because that will come up. That will come okay. up later. Um, well, I mean, I guess they're still shooting, right? They're shooting cameras instead of guns, though? Oh, my God. <laughs> That just <laughs> <laughs> and we have our first dad joke of the episode. Yes, <laughs> I was gonna say, yes. and that's what you can expect from listening to bad crime stories. Yeah. yeah. So, so with bad crime stories, you get the bad joke. With me, you get the extremely dry British humour. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. It's mm-hmm. a match mm-hmm. made in heaven. It is. It is indeed. It is indeed. We can really just like we check all the boxes, whatever you might need, whatever you're in the mood for. So Brady already had a box brownie, which is a very old, very old camera. Um, It's that like really Mm. blocky sort of square one that you've probably seen, Mm. um, which Mm -hmm. he used to photograph Hindley and her dog puppet. Um, but he upgraded to a more advanced model and added lights and darkroom equipment um, to his collection. Uh, They took... I know, know, kinky. And trust me, (laughs) it it gets very kinky. Um, Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. They they took photos of each other that would have been considered explicit at the time. Um, And Hindley's prior... Um, could be said meek and prudish personality had changed dramatically um, because of this. So Myra mm. was not um, the quote-unquote prude uh, any longer. So, so yeah, that was a bit of a deep dive into the background of Ian and Myra, and their background is a couple and how they met um, and all of that jazz. And now is time... Mm to get into the crimes oh lord here we go um (laughs) (laughs) buckle up kitties buckle up buckaroos because uh yeah uh big again (laughs) big time disclaimer for the killing and the rape of children i know i said it earlier but i'm saying it again um so here we go it's all been fun and games until this point (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. here now the laughing stop Uh, No more fun. (laughs) So, Brady told Hindley on July the uh, the 12th, 1963, that he planned to commit the perfect murder. Uh, After work, he told her to drive a rented van around while he followed on his motorcycle. 
flashing his headlights when he saw a potential victim. Brady Mm. observed a small child while driving along Gordon Lane and signaled Hindley, who didn't stop um, because she recognized the girl as her mother's eight-year-old neighbor. Um, Brady signaled... um, Brady signaled Hindley to stop on Froxmere Street sometimes, uh, sometime after 7.30pm for 16-year-old Pauline Reed, uh, who was a schoolmate of Hindley's sister, um, who was on her way to a dance lesson. Hindley offered Reed a ride. Mm. Um, so she said no to, to um, the eight-year-old girl who she recognized as her mother's eight-year-old neighbor and she mm-hmm. saw um pauline reed and that was mm-hmm. that was their first sort of their first pickup i suppose you could say hindley okay. made conflicting statements about how much she rather than brady was to blame for reed being chosen as well as one of the victims but she did say that she believed a teenager's abduction would be given less attention than that of an eight-year-old's so that was well, that's calculating her, yeah that was her justification um not the strongest justification no. i i must admit no. and like you said that's like that is unbelievably calculating to be like mm-hmm. so that yes. that so that that kid's going to get a lot more attention so let's go and kidnap this child because they're going to get mm-hmm. a lot less that's just so cold yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so cold. So so cold. Cool. Um, so once Reed was in the vehicle, Hindley requested her to assist in the search for an expensive glove that had gone missing on Saddleworth Moor. Reed agreed, mm-hmm. and they drove to the moor. Hindley informed Reed that he that um. I think I've written that completely wrong in my notes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Been there. Yep. Technical Better difficulty. Done that for sure. Uh, but, 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 but. Um, so I think I meant to say Hindley informed Reed that Brady would be assisting um, in the mm. search for the glove when Brady came on his motorcycle. Um, later, Hindley said that she waited in the vehicle as Brady would drive Reed onto the moor. After about 30 minutes, Brady returned alone and led Hindley to the spot where Reed lay dying. Reed's clothes were completely torn and she had been nearly decapitated by two throat cuts, including a four-inch incision across her voice box inflicted with considerable force and into which the collar of her coat and a throat chain had been pushed. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> Sorry, guys. it's not going to get any. We're better. just getting warmed up. That, that, is, that is not but a appetizer for the entree that will be that will be coming. Um, Oof. Yikes! So okay. basically, for this first one, at least, and I'm assuming for more, but at least for this very first one, Meyer was acting as the trustworthy female bait. Yeah, mm. yeah. There's um lovely. There's a lot of there's a lot of debate on how responsible Hindley was. Um, 
there's a lot of back and forth on was she a willing participant was she coerced um was she threatened to take part mm-hmm. by brady or mm-hmm. he would you know do something to her there's a lot of back mm-hmm. and forth um and you know it's been a discussion that's been around for a while um yeah so yeah it's uh, you're right i think in a lot of in a lot of them i mean that there's i think there was four four or five um and mm. for most of them it was hindley like you say being the sort of trustworthy person right. that would lull you know the the victim into sort of a full sense of security and then brady would be the one right. that would that would do the do the the thing <laughs> that would do the killing <laughs> do the deed do the deed yeah. um Oof. So uh, when Hindley inquired to Brady if he had raped Reed, uh, Brady replied with, I quote, of course I did, as if he was like insulted by being asked the question. Like, How dare you assume that I right? raped this poor 16-year-old girl? Right. How dare you? I can just sort of picture, picture Hindley being like, you know, did, did you rape her? Um, and, and Brady like being like, oh, course why would you even ask that like <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> yeah what didn't i do yeah right? exactly <laughs> the fuck man good god jesus um hindley waited with reed while brady went back to the van um and uh but, but hindley waited hindley waited with breed uh while brady went back to the van um to get a spade um and brady would then bury reed uh with the spade that he he gone and got from the van according mm. to oh he, he hid the spade nearby on a previous visit so obviously he knew exactly where that would be mm-hmm. ah, calculating calculating Again. very mm-hmm. calculating um, according to Bradley, Brady, Hindley was not only there throughout the incident, but she was also a active participant in the sexual assault. Mm, and that yeah. that's where sort of the the question, was Myra a winning participant or was she coerced or did she have less involvement than Brady? That's where the question I yeah. probably comes comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like I, my, I mean, my my thoughts on that are okay. Maybe <coughs> on this first one, we can have a question about how involved she was or not. But once it happened once, you can't deny that you were involved yeah. after that. Like you, whether or not you were active and participating in what was going on, you were at the very least complicit by being in the know of what was happening yeah yeah so i I, like okay you could probably make a case for yourself of not knowing what was going to happen in case number one but once it happened once you know what's going to happen next Mm -hmm. yeah and you know brady had had talked to um hindley about uh the perfect murder right um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not like she wasn't aware of what he was doing, at least, or, you know, yeah, like you said, the first case, I suppose you could, you could say, you know, maybe this, but once it happens Mm -hmm. twice and three times and four times, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, that argument really doesn't hold that much water. um, Correct. 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 Uh, So... 
uh, Brady and Hindley uh, would offer 12-year-old John Kilbride a ride home from a market in Ashton under Lyne in the early hours of November the 23rd, 1963, stating his parents might be concerned that he was out so late. They also promised him a bottle of sherry. Um, Brady suggested they'd have to take a detour to their house for the sherry once Kilbride was in Hindley's rented Ford Anglia. Hmm. Aww. Uh, That's what the Weasleys drove. Uh, can you imagine if this Sorry, one? Can you imagine if this one flew as well? <laughs> oh my god, man! The damage, the damage they could do. Uh, no, right? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't even. I didn't. I'm even like, ooh, I know what that car looks like. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <clears throat> he I would recommend another detour en route this time for look to look for a glove that Hindley had misplaced on the moor. When they mm. arrived at the moor, Brady, Brady sexually assaulted Kilbride and attempted to cut his neck with a six-inch threaded blade before strangling him with a shoelace or a string while Hindley waited in the car. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, wow. Hindley would then approach 12-year-old Keith Bennett, who was on his way to his grandmother's house in Longsight, um, and they approached him for help moving some boxes, or Hindley approached him for help moving some boxes into her mini pickup early on the evening of June the 16th, 1964, after which she said she, said she would bring him, she would take him home. Mm-hmm. Um, Brady was in the van's back seat, and um, Brady would also, and then Brady went off with Bennett um, seeking for a misplaced glove. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that was very much the the sort of the yep. theme or the main sort of crux, I suppose. Excuse. That was that was the yeah, excuse. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was that was always the excuse. Um, so so Brady would go off uh, with Bennett seeking for a misplaced misplaced glove, while Hindley would drive to a layby on Saddleworth Moor. Brady uh, returned alone after around thirty minutes bringing a shovel that he had stashed there earlier and told Hindley that he had sexually abused Bennett and strangled him with a piece of string. <laughs> so like the the thing that's so crazy though is the victimology is kind of all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's no consistency in what the flavor of preference is. Like it makes it's it's all it's over crazy. the place. Yeah. yeah. All over the place. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's everywhere. It's um it's very much sort of an unorganized um, mm-hmm. serial murder, isn't it? It's it's not a yes. It's not an organized. Crime. I mean, it's more it's more created by opportunity than preference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I I would hmm. say that it's probably that they they would seek a victim who, in by circumstance, would be easier to get than than somebody mm-hmm. else. I don't think there was mm-hmm. a lot. Of- Right. involved it was literally them just cruising around being like oh okay they look like they look easy to get or yeah you know, mm-hmm. or whatever or yeah, naive young, naive yeah, young, enough to alone. get into a van yeah yep young alone easy to manipulate yeah check 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 definitely mm-hmm. um so this this one this one's pretty rough uh i'm not gonna lie on the 26th of november 1964 uh, brady and hindley went to a fun fair 
um, in Ancoats and noted that 10-year-old Leslie Ann Downey was presumably alone. They approached her and dropped part of the groceries that they were carrying, then requested for her to requested um, assistance from her in getting the parcels to their car and then to Wardlebrook Avenue. Uh, once at the home, uh, Downey was stripped naked, gagged, and forced to pose for photographs at the house before being raped mm. and killed, allegedly strangled with a piece of string. Uh, oh Hindley then said that she went to fill a bath for Downey and returned to find her dead. Brady believed Hindley murdered Downey, um, and Brady and Hindley would drive Downey's body to Saddleworth more the next morning, where she was buried naked with her clothes at her feet in a shallow grave. Jeez. Wow. 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 Ten. Like Gosh. they were the all of all of the victims, everything they did was horrible. But this one, I agree. This one just is a different kind of horrible. Yeah. That mm. one was the worst one for me, I think. Yeah. I agree with that. By considerable margin. <laughs> Ooh, dear idea. Oh uh, cool. Um so Hindley would drive Brady to Manchester Central Railway State Railway? <laughs> Railway. <laughs> what <Really>? was that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what R is, guys. It's not not doesn't exist in my vocabulary, apparently. Mm-mm. Uh Hindley drove Brady to Manchester Central Railway Station <laughs> on mm-hmm. the evening of October the sixth, nineteen sixty-five where she waited outside in the car while he chose his next victim, or their next victim, I suppose. After a few months, uh, a, a few months, what? <laughs> God, she was waiting a long time. She was in that snack. car for a while. <laughs> oh, dear. After a few moments, uh, Brady would reappear and would be accompanied by Edward Evans, a 17-year-old um, Ardwick apprentice engineer to whom he introduced Hindley um, as his sister. Mm. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Uh, Brady then claimed that he had picked up Evans for the purpose of having a sexual encounter with him. Um, and they would drive to Brady and Hindley's house on Wardle, Wardlebrook Avenue um, and sat down with a bottle of wine. Wine, wine, always the wine. Always. <laughs> always. 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 The wine. Um, now it wasn't it wasn't wine that he that Brady had made himself, right? Like it wasn't toilet wine. <laughs> wasn't his prohibition. Okay. Prohibition wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just wanted to, just wanted to clear the air on that. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the house was really a speakeasy and some <laughs> right exactly <laughs> bathtub gin is legal moonshine. <laughs> I mean, hey, with these two, you never know. Anything that is, is possible. I feel that is, that is anything can happen. That is very true. Anything can happen. Um, so Brady would send Hindley to get Smith, um, her brother-in-law, at some point um, during this. Hindley's family had been against um, Maureen's marriage to Smith, who had a history of criminal convictions, including uh, real bodily injury and housebreaking, the first of which wounding with purpose occurred when he was 11 years old. So... Hmm. another one yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. can we can we pause for like two seconds yes pause for two, okay give me just a second I'll be yeah, right yeah, back. yeah okay bye 
the wine is starting to get to her. Oh, bless. Mm-hmm. Oh, bless. I'm not mm-hmm. a, wine, a wine person, to be honest. I'm really fussy huh? with wine. Really yeah. fussy. Really, yeah. I don't do red. Don't do yeah, red. It's too dry. It's it's just very, very dry. I'm all about a sweet rosé. Mm-hmm. I love a sweet rosé. I rose. could agree with that. I could agree. That's that's generally how I am too. Um, when I went to Italy, though, I actually found a red wine that I didn't mind. Like it was dry, but it wasn't overly dry. And I was like, "This is not like me. This is weird." <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's it. I only drink red wine in Italy. Everywhere else, nope. It'll be either a sweet rosé or um, a sweet white wine. No, I, 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 I can get down with that. I'm just mm-hmm. not big big wine person in general i don't think mm. it's, it's definitely a desi- it's a acquired taste for yeah. sure i think my go-to if i if i had a drink my go-to would be probably a spiced rum and coke I nice that would be that's a good choice going. that is captain a very morgan good choice spiced rum, coke. Mm-hmm. i like captain morgan yes or sailor jerry both good spiced rum no mm-hmm. that's true sailors as well mm-hmm. no i get that mm-hmm. Uh, cool. So where was I? Where was I? Where was I? <laughs> cool. We all good? Yes. Wonderful. We're good. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That is absolutely fine. I was just finding finding my way. There we go. <laughs> cool. Uh, so Hindley would reappear with Smith, instructing him to wait outside for her signal which was a flashing light. When the signal was given, Smith knocked on the front door and was greeted by Brady, who inquired uh, whether he had come for the small wine bottles um, and then left him in the kitchen, stating that he was going to get some wine or going to get the wine, the wine bottles, sorry. Uh, Later, Smith would inform the cops. um, I waited about a minute or two. Then suddenly I heard a hell of a scream. It sounded like a woman really high-pitched. Then the screams carried on, one after another, really loudly. Then I heard Myra shout, Dave, help him, very loud. When I ran in, I just stood inside the living room and I saw a uh, a young lad. He was lying with his head and shoulders on the couch and his legs were on the floor. He was facing upwards. Ian was standing over him, facing him with his legs on either side of the young lad's legs. The lad was still screaming and Ian had a hatchet in his hand. He was holding it above his head, and then he hit uh, the lad on the left side of his head with the hatchet. Um, I heard the blow. It was a terribly, it was a terrible, hard blow. It sounded horrible. Ian Brady is a massive piece of shit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's that's absolutely awful. Wow. Just there's just something so disgustingly violent about the whole hatchet fact mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. like whenever there's something like the, of that type of um object used makes it makes your stomach just uh, my stomach churn yeah that it's that's horrifyingly uh violent yes yeah. very much so <laughs> yes mm. um it is it's fucked and <laughs> it how, is fucked how hard must be a <laughs> him as well to make that that such such a sound like that if it was that loud correct oh wow. absolute dirt bag 
Mm-hmm. The dirtiest of all the dirt bags, for sure. <laughs> the dirtiest for of sure. all the dirt bags. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so Smith uh, then stood there and watched while Brady suffocated Evans with an electrical cord. Uh, in the scuffle, Brady would hurt his ankle, and and Evans' body was too heavy for Smith to move uh, to the car on his own. Um, so they covered it in plastic sheeting and stored it in the spare bedroom. Wow. It's not what bedrooms are for, Ian. It's not what bedrooms are for. They're for beds <laughs> and sleeping and not for bodies, man. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, not exactly not exactly an air freshener. No. Oh, no. oh God. Can you the smell? Yeah. Good grief. Good grief. So, so Smith um, would agree to return uh, the next morning with his baby's pram, which would be used to move Evan's body to the car, where it would be disposed of on the moor. He got home around 3 a.m. and requested his wife to make him a cup of tea. Tea? For tea is the, <laughs> for all situations, tea. Tea. If you're stressed, tea. Is tea. The, if you've just seen yeah. someone smash someone's head in with a hatchet <laughs> like, tea. tea it is yeah. it is the tea is, tea is the i was just gonna say it's the universal medication <laughs> the in the universal uk medication it's time to get a cuppa and just yeah, calm down yeah. <laughs> he just goes home to his wife and he's just like yeah so exactly so I just, he's like well i've had tea so i'm fine now. I, I just saw um i just saw saw brady smash this little kid's head in with a with a hatchet <laughs> it's just like right i'm gonna put the kettle on i know just what to do (laughs) we'll get some biscuits as well we'll get some digestive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes exactly we'll do chocolate biscuits because i understand this is really stressful for you (laughs) (laughs) oh dear can you only dunks it into the tea and then it like just half of it falls in and it just has like this massive melt and then he's like no (laughs) <laughs> it's the worst day ever. <laughs> oh man, comedy of errors. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Smith. Um, so he got home around three a.m. and requested his wife to make him a cup of tea, uh, which he drank mm-hmm. before uh, throwing up and informing her about what he had seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was the tea. The tea got him to con- to say, tell like, her about it. His his see? wife makes him. His wife goes out of her way to make him a nice mm-hmm. cup of tea. Gets him some biscuits out. You know, mm-hmm. make, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll cut. and then like he throws the t- he throws up the tea, and she's just like, "I just made you a cup of tea." And he just threw it up. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. What the hell? Man, who needs for real? Who needs truth serum? Right when you just get a cup mm-hmm. of tea, he's like, oh, "Fine, this is what I saw." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's just, she's just like I'm not. I'm never making you a cup of tea again because I've been not good enough. Forget it. Make your own damn tea. Make your own damn tea. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Smith um, called police from a phone box on the estate at six ten a.m. You can tell this is the sixties because there's phone boxes, um, right? And, and not just used by Doctor Who. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe that was maybe that was the TARDIS. <laughs> Doctor Who yeah, was just like be. in the toilet or something. <laughs> 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 
cool. Like, I was on a break. Somebody stole my police box. <laughs> <laughs> police is just the police are just like so 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 you're a, you're a doctor, and someone someone stole your your phone box, and your phone box yeah. changes size and it travels through time. <laughs> <laughs> Travels through time. Hmm. Sir, we've told you before to stop calling. <laughs> Stay off the drink, sir. <laughs> yeah. This is the third time this week. <laughs> We're spending so much money sending people out to your goddamn phone box. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, yeah, Smith called police from a phone box on this date at 6, 10 a.m. After waiting... Um, for Dawn and arming himself with a screwdriver and bread knife in case Brady was trying to intercept him. He was picked up desperate times. I know, right? He was Mm -hmm. picked up at the phone box by by a police car and driven to the Hyde uh, police station where he told officers what he had seen that night. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cool. Uh, Superintendent uh, Bob Talbot of the Staddy Bridge Police Department. Uh, we've got some hilarious names in the You guys have the really best do. names yes. for your villages. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's great. We have such dumb shit. You guys have so much better stuff yep. than we do. <laughs> that is an accurate statement. <laughs> so not not far from from where I live. So I live in Canterbury in Kent. Um, and not far from mm-hmm. where I live, there's a place called Sandwich. Um, mm-hmm. and yes. I'm like, like, did their police cars have sandwich police written on them? Because that would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's so like you right. There's like an Earl of Sandwich, right? That's why there's yeah. the yeah, there's yeah. The, that's that's why there's that restaurant chain here in America called Earl of Sandwich. I didn't know that was a restaurant. Oh. Yes, I there's a restaurant either. chain. There's a restaurant chain in the U.S. There's one. There's actually one at Disney in Orlando. Oh. So you can visit Earl of Sandwich oh, I could. when you come to Orlando, Florida. I could. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a note of that. And I'm going to go. I need to go. Yeah. I need to go there. Yeah. <laughs> and they serve, guess what? They serve sandwiches. <laughs> if you couldn't already guess. Just in case you were curious. You, you, look on, you look on the menu and you can't see sandwiches. And then you like yeah. get a server and you're just like, sandwiches. And they're just like, no. <laughs> but you're no. Called- no, we don't. Earl of Sandwich. Yeah, we, we don't do sandwiches. We do baguettes. We don't. Sorry. <laughs> it's more of a panini. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, cool. So, yeah, uh, Superintendent Bob Talbot of the Staley Bridge Police Department, accompanied by a detective sergeant, went to the home on Wardle Brook Avenue. He would ask Hindley at the rear door if her husband was home um wearing a bread delivery man's overall over his uniform obviously to to give himself a bit of cover <laughs> went undercover as a bread delivery man God amazing bless you. <laughs> i mean that's quite the that's quite the cover-up it is it is like fair play to him because who's gonna say no to bread really <laughs> it's gonna if they do, they're they're just there's something wrong with that. And obviously, was obviously way before the days of keto. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, cool. Uh, so Talbot would reveal himself um, when she denied having a husband or having a male in the house. You've done mm. fucked up, Myra. 
She, he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> what about now? <laughs> <laughs> Rips off his overall like Superman. <laughs> his fake mustache and hat. He's like, oh, where's that husband now, bitch? <laughs> Uh, Brady was laying on a sofa in the living room writing to his employer about his ankle problem when Hindley led him in. Uh, Talbot stated that he was looking into an act of violence involving guns that occurred the night before. Uh, hmm. cool. uh, so Hindley denied any violence had occurred and allowed officers to search the house, which was her first mistake. <laughs> go and search the house avoid mm-hmm. the spare bedroom go and search yes go and search the house mm-hmm. avoid yeah <laughs> everywhere but here yeah that's, here. It. that's it he's, he's the officer's just like so so what what's that room and she's like oh it's the spare bedroom can i look inside it no no why oh, it's, not, it's, not, it's only it's it's just a room with a bed <laughs> No. <laughs> I, and I promise there is zero dead bodies in there. <laughs> zero. That smell you're smelling, that's not dead bodies. It's not dead bodies. Yeah. No. That's our new air freshener. We're not sure about it, <laughs> exactly. personally. <laughs> exactly. We're still undecided. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when police inquired for the key to the locked uh, spare bedroom, she stated it was at her employer. Uh, but Brady persuaded her to hand it over after police offered to accompany her to go and get it. Oh, I love it. The police were like, oh, okay, we'll just go to your employer and go and grab it. And then Brady's just like, fuck. Mm. Just, just, <laughs> just give him the, the fucking key. key. <laughs> God damn it, Hindley. <laughs> we were doing so well. We were so close. <laughs> uh, dear. Uh, Brady was detained on suspicion of murder when police returned to the living room. Um, uh, uh, Eddie and I had a row and the situation got out of hand, uh, Brady remarked as he was getting dressed. Even though Hindley was not initially detained, she insisted on accompanying, accompanying Brady to the police station with her dog. She was allowed to go home on the condition that she returned the next day after, after refusing to make any statement about Evan's death other than claiming it was an accident. Mm. Likely story. Uh, yeah. All right, mm-hmm. Myra. Uh, <laughs> Hindley went to her employer over the next four days and requested to be fired so that, she, so that she could receive unemployment benefits. It's a strange move. Weird flex, but Weird. okay. <laughs> <laughs> just just advise me of... Um, what's that quote in Dodgeball where it was like, that's an interesting strategy card, and we'll see if it pays off. <laughs> yeah, it pays off for him. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, she uncovered an envelope belonging to Brady in an ashtray on one of those occasions, um, which she stated she did not open but felt contained plans for bank robberies. She was arrested and put into custody on the 11th of October, Accused with being being an accessory to Evans' murder and held at H.M. Prison, Risley, at Her Majesty's pleasure. Mm. Cool. Uh, police discovered an old exercise book with the name John Kilbride uh, while searching the residence on Wardlebrook Avenue, leading them mm. to believe that Brady and Hindley were involved in the disappearance of 
or disappearances of additional children. Mm-hmm, Brady right. admitted that he and Evan, Evans had battled, battled. I don't know what I put battled. That made it sound really dramatic. <laughs> we battled. <laughs> <laughs> it was a glorious battle. <laughs> it was a battle to the death. A battle for the ages. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brady admitted that he and Evans had battled, uh, but claimed that he um, and Smith were the ones who murdered Evans and that Hindley had just done what she was told. Oh, the Nuremberg defense. Does that <laughs> work really, really well? Uh, oh, full circle. Uh-huh. Yeah, full circle. Uh-huh. Yeah. It sure it did. Circle. I was just following orders. That old chestnut. Just following orders. That you can't chestnut. blame me. Yeah, that's it. I was just doing what I was told to do. All right, Myra. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Um, uh, I think I've missed missed a bit of of notes. What is going on with this outline? (laughs) (laughs) Good grief. so you got to page 20 and you just started shorting your brain just started shorting i, I probably did <laughs> i probably got <laughs> to this point and i was just like man this case has just fried my brain <laughs> for real um cool so um on october uh the 15th uh suitcases were discovered at manchester central railway station um after a search of left luggage um and uh there was a ticket that was later discovered in hindley's prayer book so pretty sloppy from myra pretty sloppy not sure why Mm -hmm. she yeah she's really holding she's really holding on to that catholicism with a closed fist (laughs) she really is she really is Mm. uh cool Uh, so nine uh, pornographic photographs of Downey naked and with a scarf tied across her mouth were found inside one of the Aww. cases, along with an assortment of costumes, notes, photographs, and negatives, and a 16-minute uh, audio tape recording of a girl identifying herself as Leslie Ann Weston, screaming, crying, and pleading to be allowed to return home to her mother. Aww. That's awful. That is terrible. That is terrible. Wow, wow, wow. Um, Later, uh, Downey's mother acknowledged that the recording was of her daughter. Mm. Imagine being being, uh, Mm. mum having to listen. Like, I'm assuming that she listened to it uh, because she was able to identify um, that it was her daughter. But imagine hearing that. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Well, that was like, um, so in, and I did this case, uh, maybe two months ago or whatever, Adam Walsh, which is kind of one of our biggest kidnapping cases in the U S mm-hmm. um, his father, John Walsh, who is actually now like super well-known. He's the original host of America's most wanted. He does a lot of advocacy and stuff in the U S when they were trying to figure out who was the murderer of his son, he listened to hours and hours of audio and videotapes of ch- children being tortured and murdered. Oof. And it was all with the end game of him trying to figure out who it was that killed his son. But thinking about the hours of 
of what he had to sit through to, uh, you know, and again, that's just like that thing that's just never going to escape you, right? <laughs> That'll be tattooed on your brain till the day you die. Forever. Yeah. You will never, ever be able to escape that memory. And just, I mean, it's all for this purpose of trying to figure out what happened to your child. Um, and uh, I can't even imagine a worse kind of torture. Yeah. Yeah. For a parent. It's terrible. Oof. <clears throat> Yeah. Big, big old, big old, big old woof. Like the the biggest of woofs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Officers uh, making investigations at nearby homes uh, spoke with Patricia Hodge, Hodges, or Hod, yeah, Hodges, uh, Patricia Hodges, uh, a twelve-year-old girl who had been taken to Saddleworth Moor by Brady and Hindley on multiple occasions, and could point out their favorite spots along the A635 road. On the 16th mm. of October, police discovered an arm bone protruding from uh, the peat. I'm not sure yeah. what what a peat is. I mean, I'm assuming it's like from the ground, I'm assuming. Um, is it peat? Is it peat? P-E-E-T? P-E-A-T. Oh, peat is like um, it's uh, moss. It's like mossy earth. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're here. Is bloody hell, the amount of times you've had yeah. to tell me what something is in this episode. <laughs> um, which was initially assumed to be Kilbrides, but was later recognized as Downies, whose body oh. was still identifiable. Her mother was a- able to identify the clothing that had also been buried in the grave. Oh. Right, right. Bless her, bless her art. For real. Bless her bloody art. Um, a handful of uh, more scenes were also among the images in the luggage. Brady had boasted of photographic proof of several killings, according to Smith, and officers were struck by Brady's choice to remove the seemingly innocent landscapes from the house. So they asked neighbours for help finding sites that matched the images. On October the 21st, they discovered Kilbride's badly decayed body, which had to be identified only from the clothing. Uh, cool. <laughs> right. Right, guys, we're, only, we're only on page 15 out of 24 <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> oh good grief uh, to the two people that are going to be left at the end of this episode I'm <laughs> keep on hanging on my friends <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, Brady and Hindley appeared in Hyde Magistrate's court on the same day, already in custody for the murder of of Evans. Brady and Hindley were charged with Downey's murder. Um, Each was individually taken before the court and placed in detention for a week. On October the 28th, they appeared for two minutes and then were remanded in jail. I'm assuming that was like a pre-hearing pre-trial Brady and Hindley were suspected of murdering other missing children and teenagers who had vanished in and around Manchester during the preceding few years and the search for the bodies continued after Kilbride's body was discovered but it was called off in November as winter um, set in Uh, Brady admitted to taking the images of Downey when confronted with the tape recording evidence, but claimed um, 
that she had been brought to Waterbrook Avenue by two men who had then taken her away alive. Uh, Brady was charged with the murders of Kilbride, Downey and Evans on December the 2nd. Hindley was charged with the deaths of Downey and Evans as well as being being an accessory to Kilbride's murder. Uh, The prosecution made their opening statement um, in camera, which essentially means in private in legal Mm, terminology, mm. um, rather than in open court, while the defence requested but was denied a similar uh, provision. The case was heard in front of three magistrates in Hyde for 11 days in November, after which the two were committed for trial at Chester Crown Court. Hmm. Uh, Uh, Many of Brady and Hindley's images uh, images made on the moor featured Hindley's dog, Puppet, um, sometimes as a puppy. See, the dog's coming back, guys. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the dog, the dog is okay. The We're dog, good. The dog is okay. The dog's still here. <laughs> People listening are just like, the dog. What? <laughs> but where's Puppet? <laughs> <laughs> um, detectives had a veterinary surgeon check the dog to um, ascertain his age to assist the date in assist the date the imaging. Mm. Um, the, That's smart. That is mm-hmm. very like. Detectives are like, ah, we 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 know we know some things. We've got <laughs> yeah. big brain working. Big, big brain, brain working. Yeah. Big brain work. Mm-hmm. Um, how, <laughs> so I say I say that I say the dog is fine. The dog comes back. There's a big, however, oh, that I should no. have oh, no. that I should have added. Um, so detectives, as I said, detectives had detectives had a veterinary surgeon check the dog to. Um, a certain his age to assist date the images. The examination needed a general anaesthetic from which Puppet did not recover. Oh, so the, no. yeah, Poor Puppet. The saddest part of the episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I know, don't I feel like I do? I feel horrible every single time. I'm like, the puppy! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also the humans, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Sad yeah. for the mm-hmm. Also the puppy. I mean, mm-hmm. at least like Fucking Brady, Brady didn't like kick it to death. Because yes, it's true. This is true. Yes, <clears throat> this is true. <laughs> oh, that's like the silver lining, I suppose. Um, Hindley was enraged, which is understandable, um, accusing, accusing the officers of murdering the dog. Um, and it was one of the very rare times detectives would witness any uh, kind of emotional response mm. from Myra. Uh, I, I, I dogs mean, are better than people, so I can yes, I mean, yes, I get that yeah. kind of. Uh, wow, <laughs> dear, oh dear. Uh, cool. Um, on April nineteenth, nineteen sixty-six, uh, the fourteen-day trial began before Justice um, Fenton Atkinson. Fenton, mm. what a name! That's Fenton. interesting name. Yeah. Fenton Atkinson. He sounds like mm-hmm. some really like high class, stuffy, mm-hmm. you know, lived in a palace, you know, that kind of guy. He went to private school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, for sure. He absolutely <laughs> went to yeah. private school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely He's got one school. of those fancy educations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> his, his, his dad got him a fucking 
Mercedes Benz for a super super sweet sixteen party or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> really. Um, to keep Brady and Hindley safe, the courtroom was outfitted with security screens. Uh, the prosecution was led by General Sir Alwyn Jones, um, who was aided by William Mars Jones. Uh, both Brady and Hindley were represented by Emlyn Hewson, um, a Liberal Member of Parliament, and Godfrey Godfrey Helpen Helpen Godfrey Helpen, uh, the recorder of Salford since 1964. Both were experienced Queen's counsel. Hmm. I mean, I think the names Godfrey um, yeah. and Emily yeah. <laughs> gave yeah. that one away. Gives that right away, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Definitely go to Buckingham Palace every Sunday for dinner with Liz, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. cool. uh, Smith was the main witness for the prosecution. Uh, before the trial, mm. the News of the World tabloid offered Smith £1,000 for the rights to his account, while the American People magazine countered with a $6,000 offer, which oh. in 2020 translated to about £20,000 and £110,000, respectively. Wow. Wow. Man was going to get bag. Man was going to get yeah. absolute <laughs> bag. Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, Smith agreed to be paid fifteen pounds weekly until the trial, and one thousand and a one thousand pound and one thousand pounds in a lump sum, if Brady and Hindley were convicted. When he wow. when he accepted the News of the World offer, um, its editors had promised further future payments for syndication and serial serialization, as well. Um, so, I mean, you got some money i suppose 15 pounds a week until the trial 1000 pounds in a lump sum mm-hmm. yeah, it's not too bad i mean, I mean it's something yeah mm-hmm. like if we look at it from a from yeah. a moral standpoint <laughs> right exactly exactly <laughs> but i mean hey uh, 1015 pounds well actually no 15 mm-hmm. pound weekly so that would have been that would have been all right to be fair that would have mm-hmm. been all right um mm-hmm. Cool. Smith, uh, Smith and his wife were extensively questioned about the nature of this arrangement by the judge and defense barristers during the trial. Uh, Smith would first refuse to name the newspaper, putting him in jeopardy of being found in contempt of court. Uh, when mm. he finally did, Jones, as attorney general, pledged an investigation right away. When comparing Smith's testimony to his first comments to police, uh, Atkinson ruled that um, while the paper's activities were gross interference with the process of justice, the the financial incentive did not significantly alter Smith's testimony. Jones uh, Mm. chose not to file a similar charge against the news of the world. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Man got his money. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Brady and Hindley both filed not guilty pleas because, of course, they would. Um, Of course, they would. Of course, they they would. (laughs) Of course. Um, Brady testified for more than eight hours and Hindley for six. 
Brady admitted to striking Evans with um, the hatchet, but claimed that someone else was responsible for his death, citing the uh, pathologist's uh, statement that Evans' death was accelerated by strangulation. That's a ballsy claim. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Well, I did strike him with a hatchet. (laughs) It was not I that killed him. Yeah. I mean, how old... Oh, I can't remember. How old was... How old was he? Uh, he was only, what, 15, 16? I was going to say, Hatchet, wasn't he... I he wasn't that a 17-year-old. Was, yeah, I was, was going to say, wasn't he 17? I think... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he was the 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, it it sounds like he, for, for the lack of a better word, battered him in the head with a hatchet. Mm-hmm. Like... Correct. I can imagine... The strangulation wasn't needed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I think that and especially the when the <laughs> yeah, and especially when the notes are it was accelerated by strangulation does not mean that it was caused by the strangulation. Yeah. Right. The hatchet to the head would have been sufficient. Yeah. It just wasn't quick enough. Apparently. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Brady. Brady. Brady's out here playing. 4D chess, apparently. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's like, could not, could not have been I. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Brady, so uh, Duncan Staff would write that Brady's calm, undisguised arrogance did not endear him to the jury and neither did his uh, pedantry, which is fair. Like he does seem yeah. like I was gonna say, I mean with, yeah. yeah. He does seem like that person yeah. that would like be very sort of flamboyant in court and very mm-hmm. pedantic mm-hmm. and very arrogant as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. um <laughs> top tip yep. from from Dom, um, Jovi and Charlie. <laughs> don't be an arrogant prick in court because the jury aren't gonna like <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> like, right. You will not appeal your. You will not appeal yourself to the decision makers. No, in not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Not even close. <laughs> Pro tip. Oh dear. If you learn anything from me, mm-hmm. this is how the legal system mm-hmm. works, guys. I know this. I'm taking a <laughs> film degree. Listen to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Humble yourself. <laughs> oh dear. Um. Uh. Uh, Hindley denied knowing that the photos of Saddleworth Moore discovered by police were taken near the graves of their victims. Downey's 16-minute tape recording, which included Brady and Hindley's voices, was played in open court. Hindley agreed that she was um, harsh um, and brisk. B-R-U-S-Q-U-E. Brusque? Brisk? Brusque? 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 Maybe? Oh, uh, sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go with brusque. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. We'll just go with harsh. <laughs> yes, that, we'll that works. She was, <laughs> she was mean. She was a bit of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a touch. Yeah. 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 She was a chore. That's it. So Hindley uh, would agree that she was harsh to Downey, but claimed that it was only because. She was worried, worried that someone would hear him scream. <laughs> what does that make mm-hmm. it any better? Uh. No. I was I'm going to go with like, no. So, you know, justification. 
Yes. Yeah, Heck of a justification. I was harsh, yes, wow. but I, that's only because I didn't want to. I didn't want anyone to hear him scream. But it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, it was only because he wouldn't shut the door. All right. Up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you help him Mm-mm. in any way? No. <laughs> Just wanted, didn't want him to scream. But how? Oh, dearie me. I just no words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just no words. Um, so Hindley also stated that she was downstairs when Downey was undressed, that she was looking out of the window when the, pho- when the pornographic images were taken, and that she was taking a bath when Downey was strangled. How motherfucking convenient, Myra Hindley. Uh, yeah, really. Ivy. Just Ivy. How motherfucking convenient. Like mm-hmm. I, I was in the bath. I didn't know anything. Oh, I, I, I was looking out the window. <laughs> I was when I was in... washing my hair at the time. <laughs> I was out walking my cat. I have no idea. <laughs> yep. like... That's it. <laughs> oh dear. Um, the jury convicted Brady um, of all three killings, and Hindley was found guilty of the murder of Downey and Evans on May the 6th after deliberating for just over two hours. Um, Because the death penalty for murder had been abolished while Brady and Hindley were on remand, the judge gave Brady and Hindley the only possible sentence at the time, which was life in prison. Uh, Mm. Mm. Uh, I'm not... The death penalty has always been like a bit of a... I go back and forth with it. Um, I, Same. I would happily say that I would stick both Myra and Ian in the electric chair. But I wouldn't yeah, have a massive yeah. issue with that. <laughs> nope, wouldn't even bat an eye. Yeah. yeah, 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 I agree. <laughs> like, to me, there's like a moral factor, right, of like, are we sure we have the right people? That's always where my sticking point comes in when it comes to corporal punishment. But at the end of the day, when we're talking about people like uh, these two. Yeah. No doubts. Yeah. No doubts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I will I will turn on old Sparky mm-hmm. myself and do it. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sit there with my popcorn and watch. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um so uh, Brady received three life sentences, um, while Hindley received two life sentences and a concurrent seven year sentence for harboring Brady um in the knowledge that he had murdered Kilbride. Um, mm-hmm. Hindley was committed to HM Prison Holloway, Holloway while Brady was sent to HM Prison Durham. Mm. Uh, mm. In his final remarks, Atkinson called the murders truly horrible and the accused two sadistic killers of the deepest depravity, uh, recommending that they serve... Same, yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah. I have no <laughs> arguments with that one. <laughs> no arguments mm. at all. Um, he also recommended that they serve a very long time uh, in jail before being considered for parole, but he did not specify a time limit. Hmm. Hmm. So, I mean, these this is one of those things where it's like, you know, you life with the possibility of parole, and it's like mm-hmm. life means life in this case. Why? Mm-hmm, why mm-hmm. should they have? Why should they have the opportunity for parole? I like agree. What, you know what's the justification? Right. 
Right. And there always seems to be this really gross uh circle. There's always seems to be this really gross uh thing that happens where it's the people who tend to be the most depraved are the ones who like wind up getting out on parole mm-hmm. because it's almost because they're the ones who are able to trick everybody to think that they you know were on such great behavior and i don't know i just it's hard yeah it yeah it's it's, it's, it's a tricky one like mm-hmm. it's way above my pay grade mm-hmm. that's for goddamn sure yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i just i'm just a humble podcast host guys i am <laughs> exactly I'm yep <laughs> You know, yes. my degree. I'll stick here. I'll... My degree is making films and podcasts and stuff. <laughs> like, yes. I don't have a degree in anything scientific or yeah. psychological. So, yeah. no, but... yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lowly corporate trainer with an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a sales assistant, guys. I'm just a retail <laughs> worker. Like, what? I'm just a tea boy. Okay? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> what the fuck do I know? <laughs> oh dear. Um, uh, da, da, da. Cool. Um, Brady was transferred to HM Prison in Durham after his conviction, where he requested to be held in solitary um, confinement. Oh, no, I've missed. I, I skipped ahead. Forgive me. I skipped ahead mm. one bullet point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all over the place. Um, he described mm-hmm. Brady as wicked beyond belief and stated that he saw no realistic chance of him reforming. Mm-hmm. Then don't give him an opportunity for parole. Um, Correct. <laughs> you said it yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh. You answered your own question, mm-hmm. sir. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um so while he believed that about Brady, he didn't believe the same was true of Hindley after, quote, being removed from Brady's influence. Throughout the trial, Brady and Hindley stuck rigidly to their strategy of lying, and Hindley was later described as a quiet, controlled, impassive witness who lied remorselessly. Mm. And that sort of go it goes back to the question earlier where... Mm-hmm. People are like, did was it was it Brady's influence, or was Hindley right. a willing participant? Mm-hmm. Correct, correct. You know, yeah. Uh, I think so. It's it's tough because Fred. Obviously, there's the case of Fred and Rose West, which I'm going to do at some point, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of people would say that that West that Rose West um was very willing to go along with with Fred um and in fact mm-hmm. Ro- in fact Rose West was a very active participant um and killed herself when Fred was in prison yeah. um mm. yeah whereas some people don't say the same thing about Myra some people say that it was mm-hmm. she was coerced or she was Brady was very controlling, um, which is why uh, Hindley was was a participant. But mm-hmm. I suppose mm-hmm. the one person, the one person that we could ask is Myra Hindley. You know, she only yeah. only she knows. Yeah. Only she knows that one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. 
So Brady was transferred to HM Prison, Durham, after his conviction, where he requested to be held in solitary confinement. He was identified as a psychopath in November 1985 and committed to the high security... Uh, shocker, right? <laughs> Absolutely like, I have never... Shock I of have the never season. Heard... <laughs> I am. Yeah, I have never heard anything more surprising <laughs> in my life. Man is stunned. Never. I am shook. <laughs> <laughs> I am shook. Shooketh to my very core. <laughs> now, um, HM stands for Her Majesty's, yes. right? Her Majesty's Prison? Her Majesty's okay. Prison. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, So yeah, he was identified as a psychopath in November 1985 and committed to the high security Park Lane Hospital, now Ashworth Hospital in Maghull, Merseyside. Um, And he made it obvious that he never desired to be freed. Well, that's good. (laughs) I mean, hey. He's self-aware. He's doing our work for us, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Nothing better than a self-aware murderer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yes. We love a self-aware, self-aware murderer. <laughs> mm. The trial judge recommended that Brady's life sentence should mean life. Thank you, trial judge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. successive home secretaries agreed with that decision. In 1982, mm-hmm. the Lord Chief Justice, uh, Lord Lane, said of Brady, this is the case, if ever there is to be one, when a man should stay in prison until he dies. Yes. Yeah. Preach, Lord Lane. Yes. <laughs> a thousand percent yes. <laughs> what he said. In November, sorry, the November tw- uh, 2007 death of John uh, Straffen, who had spent 55 years in prison for murdering the three children, meant that Brady became the longest-serving prisoner in England and Wales. Uh, Mm. Although Brady refused to work with Ashworth psychiatrists, he did occasionally correspond with persons outside the institution, including Lord Longford, novelist Colin Wilson, and numerous journalists who were all subject to the prison authorities' censorship. Uh, in <laughs> this bit, I shouldn't laugh at this like little chunk. <laughs> it's just so it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> it just it just made me giggle a little bit. In one letter written in 2005, Brady claimed that the murders were quote merely an existential exercise of just over a year, which was concluded in December 1964. What? Uh, what? Uh, I, I, uh, okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. We were just. It was a social experiment. Oh, I, God. Jesus. You guys just don't understand my art. Wow. go wrong. Yeah. For oh, real. dearie me. I love how, like. It was just a phase. It was just, it was just, just a phase. <laughs> It's just a phase, mom. <laughs> it's just a phase, mom. You wouldn't understand. You don't know my struggle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh. Um, by then, he claimed he and Hindley had turned their attention to armed robbery, for which they had begun to prepare by acquiring guns and vehicles. 
you went from the, okay usually don't like de-escalate yeah, was, no. right say, like normally murder is usually the end yeah uh, normally yeah. it goes it starts at robberies and then goes to murder normally it doesn't start at murder mm-hmm. and then move down to robberies right mm-hmm. right right like <laughs> what what a bizarre <laughs> i graduated from murder to, um, we were gonna to stop <laughs> why are you keeping us in here we were done right. we were done we got the results of our experiment we good yeah that's it you, you, mm-hmm. brady uh brady was just like man i'm i'm just i'm tired of all this mm-hmm. murdering can we just rob some banks <laughs> <laughs> oh. i'm old <laughs> my, my my hips hurt my joints ache <laughs> Can we just stop murdering people, please? I can't. I can't swing a hatchet like I used to. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh lord. Uh, during several years of interactions with forensic psychologist Chris uh, Cowley, including face-to-face meetings, Brady told him of an uh, aesthetic fascination he had with guns, despite his never having used one to kill. He complained bitterly about the conditions at Ashworth. Um, and in 1999, <laughs> his right <laughs> wrist was broken in what he claimed was an hour-long, unprovoked attack by staff. Wow. Poor guy. Yeah. That's just, that's, that's you know. That's too bad, isn't it? Oh, so my sad. Man, my, so my, sad. Man, my man hurt his right wrist. Oh, bless him. <laughs> oh, bless him. So I bet you as well. I bet you he was like, "I want to be taken to the infirmary. I want to be. Mm-hmm. I, I want yeah. it." And it's just like, nah, "You just got a sore fucking wrist, Brady." You fucking mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop being so dramatic. That's it. And I, I, I wasn't there, obviously. Obviously, but unprovoked. Mm, 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 That's a stretch. Mm. That's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say probably. Yeah, not. I, I, I have a hard time believing that. Probably, mm-hmm. yeah, um, did something to provoke that in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure. Brady subsequently went on hunger strike, um, but while English law allows patients to refuse treatment, those being treated for mental disorders under the Mental Health Act <laughs> of 1983 have no such rights if the treatment is for their mental disorder. So. That hunger strike mm-hmm. is going to do fuck all, I'm afraid, Ian. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> you are just loving yeah. yourself for no reason there, my yeah. man. <laughs> mm-hmm. No reason. Um, he was therefore force-fed <laughs> and transferred to another hospital for tests after he fell ill. Uh, Brady recovered and in March 2000 asked for a uh, judicial review of the legality of the decision to force-feed him but was refused permission. <laughs> it was straight up, fuck you, Ian Brady. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, here's a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. We got, we got it from Earl of Sandwich. I'll have you know. Mm-hmm. We yes. Got- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, according to Cowley, uh, Brady regretted Hindley's imprisonment and the consequences of their actions but not necessarily the crimes themselves. He saw no point Mm. in making any kind of public apology. Instead, he, quote, expressed remorse through actions. (laughs) He took action. (laughs) No words. Actions. 
words, just action. <laughs> he was he was a man of principle. This guy, a, this fucking action. guy. He was a man of he was a man of action. Was was Ian Brady? Yes, he was. Um, twenty it. twenty years of transcribing classical um, texts into Braille came to an end when the authorities confiscated Brady's translation machine. Why? Why? What? Why have you got a translation machine? <laughs> For fear it might be used as a weapon, can it's just got this massive <laughs> translation machine. He just fucking swings it at someone <laughs> as a weapon. <laughs> For real, yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's bizarre. <sighs> um, he once offered to donate one of his kidneys to quote someone, anyone who needed one, but was blocked from doing so. See, he's a Samaritan. He's an. He's oh, a, he went to yeah. What a guy. Absolutely. What a guy. guy. What I a mean, not, not, not for nothing. If I was the one who needed a kidney, I'd be like, get yeah, anybody's kidney but his, please. Yeah. Please. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. you know what? Just keep me on that waiting list, please. Yeah. 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 Skip over like, me. The next person could get it. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> they come back like the next week and they're like, so we found another organ donor. Uh, her name's Myra Hindley, and you're just nope. <laughs> nope, we're gonna skip on that one too. We're gonna <laughs> skip that on that one. <laughs> 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 uh, according to um, according to Wilson, quote: "It was because these attempts to express remorse were thrown back at him that he began to contemplate suicide." In 2006, officials intercepted. 50 paracetamol pills hidden inside a hollowed-out crime novel sent to Brady by a female friend. A hollowed-out crime novel. 50 mm. paracetamol pills. Fuck, you know? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Maybe yeah. if you're going to do something criminal, don't be so on the nose as to use a crime right. yeah. novel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a little, a little, little obvious little there, the buddy. A little obvious. Yeah. Like, and surely he would know as well that police are going to like screen things that come out, come mm-hmm. in from outside, yeah. aren't they? Like they're gonna look in the book <laughs> to see what's mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. somehow I don't think fifty paracetamol pills hidden inside a hollowed out book is really gonna pass the vibe check, no. is it? No. Nope. Like that. That's not no. a vibe, sorry. No, nope, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. <laughs> um uh Brady asked to be sent back to jail um in twenty twelve stating that he wanted to starve himself to death. He contended before a mental health tribunal in June the following year that he had a personality disorder rather than paranoid <laughs> schizophrenia, as his Ashworth doctors had claimed. <laughs> I don't even know what to say at this point about this dude. Like, there's no words. There's no words. It, it's no. mad, isn't it? Oh, my Bad. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brady's application was rejected, and the judge stated that he continues to suffer from a mental disorder, which, was, which is of a nature and a degree that makes it appropriate for him to continue to receive medical treatment. So, mm-hmm. sorry. Sorry about your bad luck sorry. there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Hard luck, um, Ian. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Good. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Um, 
have have the life you deserve, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brady died of uh, restrictive pulmonary disease on the 15th of May 2017 in Ashworth Hospital after receiving end-of-life treatment. The inquest found that he died of natural causes and that his hunger strike was not a contributing <laughs> factor. So he was, what, in like his 70s, yeah? Uh, Almost 80? 70s, I think. Yeah, I think he wow. lived up until the 70s. Um, wow, dang. Which is crazy. Uh, Brady had denied food and water for more than 48 hours on several occasions, requiring him to be fitted with a uh, nasogastric tube, even though his mm -hmm. body mass index was not a cause for worry, according to his inquest. Mm -hmm. His ashes were scattered at sea throughout the night after he was buried, uh, after he was burned, sorry, without a ceremony. No ceremony mm. for you, Brady. But like, let's sorry, be real. Sorry, buddy. If they did have a ceremony, who would go? Yeah, exactly. Who's coming? Besides my Like, damn. Just damn. Like, wow. He, he sort of just like pops out before the, before the cremation. He's just like, where are the people? Where is everyone? <laughs> where is everyone? Why is that over I here? thought I'd have an audience. <laughs> It was just a phase. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, dear. So what about Myra? Myra, Myra, oh, Myra. So, ah, oh, boy. Myra. Oh, boy. Uh, after the trial, Hindley filed an unsuccessful appeal against her conviction. Um, Brady and uh, Hindley corresponded um, until 1971 uh, when she decided to discontinue their relationship. Wow. Oh man, you got dumped in prison. Oh, mm -hmm. Brady's mm -hmm. down bad. <laughs> down why bad. Kick him while he's down. Mm -hmm. Why don't you? <laughs> yes. Hasn't the poor man been through enough? And then you dump him. <laughs> <laughs> Have a heart. I know this is a really hard time, but I think we should see other people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh dear. I um, found somebody else who could swing a hatchet like you used to. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I've got a younger model. Sorry, sorry, Ian. <laughs> I'm trading you in. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, for several months, the two maintained intermittent communication, but Hindley had fallen in love with Pat uh, Patricia Ken? Ken's. Patricia Ken's, one of her jail warders. Hmm. Pretty sure that's a yeah. massive conflict of interest, but okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure think it is yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> bloody hell um a former assistant governor claimed that such relationships were not unusual in holloway at the time as many of the officers were gay and involved in relationships either with one another or with the in inmates wow i mean mm. <laughs> that's the the idea of them being intimate with the inmates is just so highly inappropriate. <laughs> Isn't it? Just a little bit. Just a oh, little bit. Wild. To put it mildly. <laughs> like what and what what's like the what's the interest? Like oh man. Oh Myra. Oh you're a bit of me. You know, you killed you killed three kids. Oh. Oh, like... <laughs> I'm, I mean, is it is it the fact that they can't go anywhere? Mm. I mean, mate, no, it's a captive yeah, audience. Yes, that's a fair point. That's a fair mm. point. 
Mm. I suppose it gets lonely, doesn't it, in, in prison? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. But hey, um, different, different, you know, different, different strokes, mm-hmm. different strokes, different boats, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cool. uh, Hindley, uh, Hindley successfully petitioned to have her status as a Category A prisoner changed to a Category B prisoner which enabled uh, Governor Dorothy Wing to take her on walks around Hampstead Heath, which was part of uh, the governor's unofficial policy of reintroducing um, her charges to the outside world when she felt that they Mm. were ready. Hmm. Not too sure about that policy. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not the wisest. No, a little flawed. Probably Mm. flawed theory. Probably not um probably not uh hindley Mm -hmm. was told that she would be eligible for parole after serving 25 years in jail in 1982 the lord chief justice agreed with that recommendation but home secretary leon uh britain um um, i mean i'm assuming it's britain it's b-r-i-t-t-a-n so assuming it's not britain Mm. (laughs) no probably britain yeah Britain, um, uh, decided to raise her tariff to 30 years in January 1985. Home Secretary's Mm -hmm. just like, fuck off, here's an extra five years to uh, (laughs) your minimum, (laughs) you bitch. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, uh, Hindley claimed to be a Reformed Catholic at the time, and Downey's mother was at the centre of a movement to guarantee that Hindley was never freed from prison. And she regularly gave television and newspaper interviews until her death in February 1999, um, whenever mm-hmm. Hindley's release was mur- uh, was rumoured. So, like, as soon as there was a rumour for Hindley's release, mm-hmm. Downey's mum was like, no! <laughs> not today, no. Satan, not today. Hmm. <laughs> or how about we keep her yeah. Just saying. Nah, nah, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Myra, love. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. sorry, love. It's not, not happening. <laughs> nope. Ain't going nowhere. Uh, no, that's it. In February 1985, uh, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher uh, told Britain that his uh, proposed minimum sentence of 30 years for Hindley and 40 years for Brady were too short, saying, I quote, I do not think that either of these prisoners should ever be released from custody. Their crime was the most hideous and cruel in modern times. Mm-hmm. That's right. What, That's why she's the Iron Lady. Say mm-hmm. what you want about old Marks, but she wasn't wrong on that one. Maggie, Maggie, Maggie hit those two on the head, didn't she? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Hindley admitted in 1987 that her parole application to the Home Secretary eight years before had been quote, on the whole, a pack of lies, and that her cooperation in the searches on Saddleworth Moor were, uh, Saddleworth Moor appeared a cynical gesture aimed at ingratiating herself to the parole authorities, according to some reporters. She's the best. <laughs> She's just the best. <laughs> what a gal. Imagine, what a gal. I know it was like eight years after the fact, but imagine like just being like, "Oh yeah, so my um my parole application yeah, that's that's a lot of bullshit." 
Bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All bullshit. Bullshit. Good, 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 good work, Myra. That's that's yeah. really gonna it's really gonna help you mm-hmm. help you in your situation. Mm-hmm. Like good stuff. What is this? America's dumbest criminals. Like uh, <laughs> 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 Oh boy. Oh, dear. Uh cool. In July nineteen ninety, uh, then Home Secretary David Waddington um imposed a life sentence on Hindley after she admitted to being more engaged in the murders that she had previously stated. Hindley was not told of the judgment until 1994 when the jail service was required by law lords by law lords ruling to advise all life sentence prisoners about the minimum period they must serve in prison before being considered for parole. <laughs> I love like <laughs> kept her in the dark and then just like they were like oh uh, so yeah your your parole thing <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we took that. We took that right away, yeah. from you, my friend. That's gone. <laughs> That's right. So, I hope you weren't like looking forward to the outside Mm-mm. world because Mm-mm. I've got some bad yeah. news. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> you're going to be here. Do you for want the good news or the bad news? <laughs> yeah, good news is you get to stay with your girlfriend. <laughs> bad news is it's because you're staying here till you die. <laughs> Swings and roundabouts, Myra. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Cool. Just scroll down. Uh, The parole board recommendation that Hindley be sent to an open prison. uh, The parole board recommended that Hindley be sent to an open prison in 1996. She refused the idea and was sent to the medium security HM prison High Point in early 1998. The House of Lords judgment left the door open to subsequent release. Uh, cool. Hindley made three separate appeals against her life sentence, claiming that she was a reformed woman and no longer a danger to society, but each was rejected no, by the courts. Courts were just like, yeah, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> nice yeah. try, but definitely not. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a no from me, Myra. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I like to think that like it's like the X Factor where they all had buzzers and they just buzzed. <laughs> <laughs> Big Red Cross. Yep. Sorry. When another life sentence prisoner challenged the Home Secretary's authority to establish minimum periods in 2002, Hindley and hundreds of other inmates whose tariffs had been raised by lawmakers appeared to be on the verge of being released. Hindley's release seemed near and supporters formed arrangements to give her a new identity. How do these people have supporters? <laughs> Your guess yeah, is as good as mine. That's something I will nev- never yep, get it. Never understand it. Never, never, never. I just, I just, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's mad, isn't it? Like, ah, oh, I really like Myra. Mm-hmm. She only like helped, <laughs> helped kill three kids and was an accessory mm-hmm. to yeah. one of them. But I oh, know she's a swell woman. I'll oh, go out mm-hmm. for a, go out for a, yeah. for a drink with her. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And she's really, really changed. Yeah. Can you, you right, just, right, 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 right. When, when, once you get to know Myra, once you get to know her. 
<laughs> she's, she's a really nice guy. She just needs to get to know She's her. a ray of sunshine. That's it. Myra Hindley is just really misunderstood, bless her. <laughs> so misunderstood. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Um, to prevent uh, Hindley's release from prison, Home Secretary David Blunkett ordered the uh, GMP to establish new charges against her. Superintendent Tony Brett led the inquiry, which first explored prosecuting Hindley with the murders of Reed and Bennett. Uh, but government lawyers advised that a new trial would likely be regarded as abusive process due to the DDP's decision 15 years earlier. Mm. The law lords decided on November the 25th, 2002, that judges, not politicians, should decide how long a criminal spends in prison and that the Home Secretary should not be able to impose minimum terms. However, mm-hmm. Hindley, who was 16 years old and a chain smoker, died of bronchial pneumonia at West Suffolk Hospital on November the 15th, 2002. Mm, wow. Oh. oh. Wow. Hard so luck, So sad. Myra. I'm shedding a tear. <laughs> Hard luck, I'm, I'm shedding a tear. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> She's, imagine that. <laughs> She's like, damn it. Why didn't I die 10 days after this? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> uh, in 1999, she was diagnosed with angina and admitted to the hospital after suffering a brain aneurysm. Outside, Oof. camera crews stood rank and file behind steel barriers, but no relatives of Hindley were among the 8 to 10 persons who attended a brief service at the Cambridge crematorium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not shocked. Not not, not shocked, shocked that no family showed up. Not shocked even a little bit. Nope. <clears throat> not shocked at all. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. More than thirty-five years after the killings, feelings were so strong that twenty local undertakers refused to oversee her cremation. Um, Patricia Kent, her ex-partner at this by this time, dispersed her ashes four months later. Um, in Staddybridge County Park, less than 10 miles from Saddleworth Moor, where a lot of the a lot of the bodies obviously were discarded of the murders. Mm, I love the mm-hmm. fact that like mm. 20 undertakers were just like, I'm not touching that one. N- nope. Nah. Nope. <laughs> nah. mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. I stand no. with the undertakers. I don't blame them. No, no, neither mm. do I. Neither do I. Um, and that, friends, is the case of the Moore's murders. Um, Jesus. <laughs> Yeesh. That, that was something. That, that was, was something. That was something. I told you. It, I, I, <laughs> I told you it ain't going to be yeah. pretty. Um, no. Yeah. But yeah, that was... Uh, that was... That was the case. Thoughts, feelings, anything? <laughs> They're just, I mean, truly among some of the worst. I mean, I think it's just, it's that um, they remind me a lot of the U.S. Uh, like the bar, the Barbie 
Ken and Barbie. Yeah. Uh, murders mm-hmm. so uh paul bernardo and uh homolka it reminds me a lot of that right where it's like he was obviously the more dominant and violent personality and then she kind of went along with it now unfortunately with the u.s version she actually got out of prison mm. um and is free mm. currently so that's uh you know uh, definitely a um an interesting factor because she was able to convince people that she was uh, you know Cured. coerced <laughs> and uh, pushed towards it yeah mm-hmm. exactly I, so you know I but up. it reminds me it reminds me so much of that yeah i did read up a little bit on the the ken and barbie murders um for mm-hmm. for another collab i'm doing um but mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't read a massive amount on it um so i i wasn't aware that one of them uh went free that's madness Mm-hmm. That's madness. Um, <laughs> yeah. People in the UK, let me. People in the UK may come off as mild mannered, a polite bunch, but today's episode, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, show <laughs> that we have <laughs> to clash humans too. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess exactly. You know, exactly. You may, you may see, yeah. you know, night. I mean, for the most part, us Brits, you know, we'll welcome you in for a cup of tea. You know, we'll give you some yeah. scones or scones. Yeah. which that's a fierce debate oh no i've opened a can of worms now um <laughs> no i've i only i do scone i do scone but i do know that that is a uk and i'm I'm assuming it's a regional thing right is it a scone or a scone yeah, it, right? it, yeah it's, a it's, it's thing, different right? with everyone it's a very fierce debate yes. it's also a very fierce debate yeah. whether you put the cream or the jam first mm. that, is, that, that is a very okay. fiery one very fiery one gotcha <laughs> Gotcha. Now, see if it was me, and this is just as an outsider's opinion. I would say you put the cream mm-hmm. first. Same. Yeah, I, I, I would. Yeah. yeah, I would say the same. Mm-hmm. Cream jam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else mm-hmm. would just be a bit weird to me. Mm-hmm. Not like mm-hmm. milk first or in the microwave. Correct. Weird. I'm not. It's not that triggering. Correct. <laughs> It doesn't get to that level of odd, but it's, you know, it's odd. <laughs> not, not, not that, not that level, but it's still, you know, my, my, my Britishness still, you know, still, still get triggered right. a little bit. <laughs> right, right. So. Man, well, I mean, it just, it does go to show that evil does lurk everywhere. Indeed. Indeed. You know, you, yep. you know, you, I suppose you don't know, you know, what people are, what people are up to, do you, you know? Your neighbor could be a really good person, or your neighbor could be a Ian Brady or a Myra Hindley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope to God not, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. But it is true. You're 100 percent right. Uh, I very a, much hope man. <laughs> that nobody in my immediate vicinity is mm-hmm. an Ian Brady or a Myra Hindley. Mm-hmm. No, thank mm-hmm. you. No. Uh, I'll pass. I'll pass. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's a hard no that's the hardest of no's thank you <laughs> yes, yes well thank you for yeah. telling us that awesome story don no that no was, problem that no was problem. a crazy one i hope it, yeah. it wasn't too mentally taxing <laughs> yeah right <laughs> nah. not even a little bit yeah you know i had to it kept us on the edge of our seats i had to give you something mm-hmm. something juicy to give you something, that's right. That's it. Something juicy. <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. So next week's episode um, will be another collab, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this time with the amazing Alex from the podcast Weird Distractions. Um, we've agreed not to give away what we're going to be doing. 
I think it's it's better that way because you know you're in the dark, you don't know what's coming, genuine reactions, all of that, all of that good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm obviously not going to say what I'm going to be talking about because you got to tune in. And so I'm such a tease. You got to tune in. <laughs> Otherwise, I, otherwise, I'm not going to tell you, and you're not going to know. <laughs> um, so, ladies, I know I said it at the start of the episode, but just as a little reminder for the one person who is mentally strong enough to, <laughs> to get to this point <laughs> of the episode, um, where can people find your podcast, and where can people follow you on social medias? Absolutely. So, um, if you're looking to listen to us, you can find us on most media, uh, so, or blah, 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 most podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Republic, um, Anchor. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, and technically on TikTok, Bed Crime Stories, um, or you can shoot us an email, Bed Crime Stories Pod at gmail.com if you ever want to just say hey or give a story suggestion. Mm-hmm. That's where you can mm-hmm. find us. Wonderful. Uh, you can find Horror House anywhere you listen to podcasts. And on Instagram and Twitter, you can find the podcast at horrorhouse underscore pod. And on Facebook, you can find it at horrorhousepod. Check out the merch store um, and treat yourself to some goodies. The hoodies. Mm-hmm. Have, that was bars. The the hoodies have got some, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna I'm was. gonna put this podcast thing to bed. Like, nah, I need to I need to be in the rap game. <laughs> yeah, man. That was a, kickstart that rap career. That was the whitest thing I think I've ever said in my life. Um, <laughs> check out the birch store and treat yourself to some goodies. Uh, the hoods have got some some good good feedback. A few people have got some hoods. My my mum even got a hood. Um, and then proceeded to spill something down it the day she wore it. Um, so that's uh-huh, uh-huh. Stuff. Um, and there's some there's some cool stuff on the merch. So we've got hoodies, there's t-shirts, there's mugs, there's stickers, phone cases, bags, you know. We've got some good stuff on there. So treat yourself mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. why not? Why not treat yourself, mm-hmm. right, girl? Mm-hmm. Why not treat yourself? That's um, right. Why not? And also please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, for both podcasts, um, rate, rate and review Horror House, rate and review Bad Crime Stories. If you don't give us five-star reviews, you will be hearing from our legal teams. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because I can afford a lawyer, obviously. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I said, check out Bad Crime Stories. Jovi and Charlie are amazing. They're smashing it. And... I say give us a good a good old five star rating um and thank you f- so much girls for for joining me for this episode and thank having you for me having on your us. show it's been it was our pleasure very very fun um and we mm-hmm. shall definitely do it again do it again soon for sure um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and make sure you head over to bed crime stories to listen to the episode that dom collabed uh collabed with us over there yeah. yes so we, check that one out. We recorded back-to-back episodes today because we love mm-hmm. the grind. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so definitely listen to to part one of mm-hmm. the collab um, on Bed Crime Stories, and that was a blast. And it was it's it was a juicy unsolved, juicy mm-hmm. unsolved, uh, unsolved, mm-hmm. not murder, unsolved crime case. So mm-hmm. very. By very the nice. way, by the way, as promised. Listen to it during the daytime. 
and it was quite creepy. <laughs> okay. Just okay. And you have to you have to tune into part one to know yes. what Jovi's talking yep. about. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That was that was exactly. very, a little teaser. That was very nicely done. Mm. <laughs> very nicely done. We planned um, it like that. That's totally how we planned it. <laughs> that's it. So all that's left to say from me is until next time, my friends, stay spooky. Do would you like to like to give your sign off as well, ladies? Absolutely. Until next time we see you guys. Sweet, sweet dreams. dreams. Wonderful, wonderful. (laughs) Stay spooky. (laughs)